Hey there, this is Michael Rocco, and you're listening to Our Best Interests, a podcast dedicated to pursuing an examined life following childhood trauma. We'll explore the painful and the joyous parts of life. The focus is on the adoptee experience, but general lessons about humanity are at the center of our explorations. We'll drop new episodes as guests come by to see us. There are many interesting characters with interesting stories in our community. So we're sure to learn a few things and enjoy ourselves a bit too. Now get ready to take a deep dive into the core issues of self, family, and society from the adoptee perspective. I think we should walk away I saw you through the glass door And I was acting on my best behavior Hey, it's our first episode. I'm Michael, and this is Our Best Interests, a podcast where we talk about life from the perspective of adopted people. My new friend Jack and I, say hello, Jack. Hi. Well, we got the knuckleheaded idea that we'd record some of our conversations about some really personal stuff and put the recordings out there for everyone to criticize. So great idea, Jack, thanks. Yeah, just what we need in cancel culture. (laughs) Jack's gonna give us a bit about his story in a few minutes. So we found each other online and we've been keeping in touch. Jack even stopped by my house while passing through recently. He's written his memoir and I've read the manuscript. It's an interesting and for me somewhat familiar story of a transracial adoptee trying to make sense of it all. I always think it's cool when another adoptee wraps new words around something I've experienced. It gives me the opportunity to look at it something important, usually, in a new or different way. Your book was full of those moments for me. We have a lot in common, and of course, we have many differences too. Many of these similarities and differences will no doubt organically emerge in our conversation. Now, we don't know what we're doing. I think that's fair to say. True, true. (laughs) Um, And we know there's a lot of great podcasts for adoptees out there already. So we'll try to focus in a way that'll keep us from embarrassing ourselves too badly while keeping us on track and hopefully make listening worth your time. So let me explain that we are organizing our episodes. Each will be driven by story, uh, context from our guests' lives. Each story will be inspired by an adage, a little bit of folk wisdom that will help illuminate the story from a certain angle. I'm sure this is going to fall apart. Yeah, let's let's do it. <laughs> let's just quit now. Let's blow it up. <laughs> so we'd like to have interesting guests with interesting stories, but for now, you're stuck with us. Today, Jack is going to be our guest. And so we're just going to jump back into his story. And then he'll read a section from his memoir. 
and we'll jabber on about how the story fits an adage that we've selected. So how's it going, Jack? So far, you haven't, I haven't passed out yet. So No, I'm doing all right. Wide awake. <laughs> so tell anybody who might be listening by mistake, all the bits and pieces we should know about your story. Okay. Um, like we talked about, you know, between ourselves, um, you know, I grew up in, you know, what I think was pretty much an idyllic um, Catholic family, Catholic Italian family in suburban Erie, Pennsylvania. You know, I knew from as soon as I could know, you know, I always known that I was adopted. It was never really a big issue with me. You know, I thought, you know, we had a great family. We had my grandparents, you know, had their four children and the four children moved within two block radius of one another. You know, so I had, I had 11 cousins to hang out with, aunts and uncles, you know, and, um, you know, the adoption thing was really never an issue for me. You know, this was like a proud Italian, you know, immigrant family. And, you know, I was in, in a lot of ways, you know, the, the golden child. And, um, you know, at some point I decided I wanted to go to, you know, I did well in school and I wanted to go to medical school. So got accepted into medical school, did reasonably well in medical school, got accepted into orthopedics, you know, which is a, a difficult task um, and, and was, you know, really had no major issues. You know, there was a, you know, an episode with a blind date who was also adopted that kind of you know, threw me off, but, you know, I quickly buried that and, and moved on. Um, you know, then I went into the service um, overseas, which I thought was an incredible cultural immersion program, you know, for me to see other cultures and, and how the world worked and how the military worked was, yeah. was also, you know, very um, educational, uh, you know, got out of the military and then, you know, get married. And my wife's, you know, at some point my wife gets pregnant very early and uh, she's like, don't you want to find your real parents? I'm like, well, not really. Um, and she's like, what about the health history? I'm like, nah, I'm okay with that. You know, and she's like, well, what if I get the paperwork and have you sign? Okay, we'll do that. I have my daughter. We go through that bonding. Um, you know, then within a couple of years, I finally get a message from my birth mother, you know, from the agency that, you know, here's your birth mother. Um, and it turns out that, you know, very early on, they're like, um, in the court proceedings, they, they, I was referred to as this Negro child, you know, so that was the first time that, you know, this, this potential race was ever involved. Um, but once again, kind of bury it, you know, I go on with life, you know, practice was busy, um, living the perfect life. We had, um, we did mission trips to Madagascar, did like four mission trips, you know, overseas to Madagascar, just a fantastic experience, you know, in orphanages overseas, yeah. Um, you know, and at some point, you know, these, these issues, uh, you know, looking back, you know, after cracking the seal with my mother, just a lot of unresolved issues that were just always in the back of my mind, you know? So at some point, um, you know, went through a separation with my wife. It was just, you know, the, there were a lot of issues with, you know, who I was and, and how can I represent myself to someone when I don't know who myself is. So we went through a separate, you know, separation. We still are. And during that process, I decided to look for my father as well. And, um, you know, in that process, I find out that, you know, I've got four half siblings that are all living within three hours of me. Um, and, you know, meeting them, dealing with them. Um, and, you know, I had to bring together a lot of these, you know, these racial issues of, you know, who am I? 
you know, it, it turns out that, you know, this, this Italian kid from Erie, Pennsylvania ain't Italian at all, you know, and, you know, like reformulating these, these identity issues was, was difficult. Um, and I went through a process and I went through struggles and, um, I mean, it's very disruptive. It's, it's hard to imagine you look in a mirror and you don't recognize, you don't know who that is, you know, and, yeah. and how do you explain yourself to yourself? So eventually, you know, I, I get myself together and I, I, you know, decide I need to tell my parents about this, about my reunion and spill the beans. And I tell them, you know, essentially they're like, yeah, we already knew that. Today, we're going to be guided by the adage, a house divided cannot stand. Here's what I dug up on the internet. It was originally from the Bible. And then Abraham Lincoln borrowed this idea in his acceptance speech at the Republican convention. This was the meeting where he became the Republican presidential candidate. He was saying that the country could not endure the rift between slaveholding interests and those of abolitionists. It was about race and it was about racism. It was about core human values and who we are as a nation. When I read the passage that Jack is about to share from his manuscript, I thought of at least two ways the adage applies to us as transracial adoptees. Most obviously, we had to reconcile our identities as both minority and majority, something we share with many biracial and multiracial people. But for both of us, though for different reasons, this has a, been a relatively recent accomplishment. While we also had to shore up the most basic structures of our house, the ego, the psyche, the self, whatever you want to call it, so it didn't collapse on itself. In my case, I did in fact collapse and I'm constantly repairing leaks in the roof. What I'm trying to say is that after coming out of the fog and having the understanding of, the, of adoption on our lives, we have to reintegrate our pre-adoptive selves with those that we have become. We have to form a union with ourselves. Do you have anything to add, Jack, or do you disagree with any of that take on it? No, I think it's, I, I think it's fantastic. And you know, we didn't really talk about this, but um, once I first found my father's side of the family, an aunt had told me, because my father was mixed race as well. And um, she told me, she's like, Larry had issues with identity. You know, Larry was too black for the whites and too white for the blacks, you know. And, you know, during the period of the 60s, um, you know, for him, it must have been much, much more difficult, you know, than, than what we experience now. You know, I mean, the, 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 the lines were, were sharper, you know, the 50s and the 70s were a, a huge time of, of cultural divide. So, um, you know, in a lot of ways, you know, I'm, I'm continuing with some of my father's struggles, if you will, on that. Okay, so now we have a reading from Dr. Jack Rocco from his manuscript, Recycled, Nature, Nurture, and Free Will Through the Mind of an Adoptee. Thank you, Michael. My personality, as I was beginning to understand it, could be somewhat explained by my genetics, my nurture, plus a little free will tweaking independent of the adoption. 
Adoption wasn't insignificant, however, and that I did feel like I had to work a little harder to fit in and really just figure myself out. The nuanced hardship of that experience was a part of me as well, and I was somewhat proud to have survived those battle wounds. Despite not necessarily knowing the, quote, real me, unquote, I began to develop an understanding that a trifecta of factors went into becoming me. I received life and my nature from Joyce and Larry. I received my nurture from my parents, family, and culture, and I exercised freedom under my cultural constraints in deciding what I wanted to do to pursue and what I felt was best for me. I really wanted to meet that vanishing twin of mine to see how he would have turned out. I've read a lot and heard a lot of stories from adoptees in their search for family and how they had become so completely obsessed with the project. It seemed as though I was lucky in how I found my parents, but still trying to find out more about myself was even more difficult. Ultimately, isn't that what these other adoptees were all trying to do as well, find themselves? I guess that is probably the importance of having the phrase know thyself inscribed at the Temple of Delphi. It's not so easy for anyone, adopted or not. As I educated myself and learned more about the African-American history, I began to sincerely appreciate it, become saddened by it, but also proud of it. There were so many inspiring stories interwoven in the tragedy. I started reconsidering what I thought I knew and was thinking differently myself. I had a sense and felt as though I could better understand how and why Larry may have felt and acted the way he did. It must have been difficult for him. Yeah. The core of this is the need to find oneself, not just for we adoptees, but for everybody, as you point out uh, when you when you elicit the uh, temple at Delphi. And to thy own self be true requires knowing what the truth of the self is. And so uh, I think the first the first issue for adoptees such as you and I, Jack, coming out of the fog or pre-fog, I'm sorry, post-fog, is we have to integrate our pre-adoptive self, what happened before and all the history that existed uh, with our achieved self. And for you, you know, and like many of us, it does, doesn't happen all at once, it's in stages. And so I wonder if you'd elaborate on how you felt the need to reconcile your pre-adoptive self with your achieved self. And if those words aren't comfortable for you, please substitute your own. Yeah, no, I, I think you're, you know, you're hundred percent right that um, I, I'm not gonna say that I went kicking and screaming into this adoption search, but um, you know, it really wasn't something that I initiated. Um, it really wasn't a desire, like I've mentioned. Um, we haven't talked about it on this podcast. We've talked about it before. My, my chapter four, is entitled um, Blindsided. And it's about a blind date that I had uh, in Philly. And, you know, it turns out that the woman that on the date, I asked her about her parents and she told me, well, that's interesting because I was adopted. And, you know, that was really the first time that I, you know, had, had met someone else. And I asked her, you know, to try and be cute. Like we always get asked, you know, do you ever want to find your real parents? Yeah. And, you know, I always had my my staged canned answer that I didn't want to find my parents because my my life was so great. When I asked her that, she said, well, actually, I did find my mother. And it turns out that the story we had been told all along wasn't true. And it turns out she had the exact same story as me, that her parents were two young college kids, you know, who had a child who got pregnant 
couldn't afford a child, so had to give it away to a, a quote, good family to be raised properly. And when she told me, you know, when she repeated back to me my same story, it, it felt as though my whole life was just completely crumbled. You know, you've used the word disintegrated. Um, and that was the sense that I was a, a dirt ball that was just smashed. And then I was just a, a pile of dust laying on the floor. And fundamentally, you know, my whole identity was, was teetering on this toothpick of my parents were two young college kids, had a baby, couldn't afford to keep it, gave it to a good family. As a 31-year-old orthopedic surgeon, you would think that I would, you know, dig into that a little further, but that was it. My whole being rested on that. And when she kicked that toothpick out from under me, it was, it was really upsetting, you know, and I, a lot of times try in my, my writing and, and thinking and, um, I try to divide a lot of times, you know, the subconscious from the conscious and, you know, or the brainstem from the cortex. And, you know, it seemed to me that my cortex was overriding my, my brainstem and my subconscious, you know, the trauma, the hurt, the pain, the, you know, the, the relinquishment from birth that was with me. That was a part of me, you know, it was a part of me that was long forgotten, but, you know, along a lot of my early characteristics, early mannerisms, you know, ways of coping ways with, you know, interacting with others was based off that trauma was based off that feeling of relinquishment, that feeling of trying to belong and trying to fit in, but knowing I don't. Yeah, that infant knows what he's been doing, he or she has been doing to get by, you know, whether they recognize it. And then over time, it just becomes so buried that you forget about it. But once, like I said, once I said that toothpick was kicked from underneath me, I'm like, I've got nothing to stand on. What was the truth? You know, and it became apparent that, you know, who is Jack to begin with? You know, when I went, you know, my understanding as a child, um, what I was told is that, you know, the nuns had told my parents that my birth parents were coincidentally the same as my adoptive parents. You know, my father was Italian and my mother was German and Irish. So it was, you know, a perfect blend. And, you know, I thought that the nuns, you know, had matched up these ethnicities. You know, they had a, a room with all these children in it to pick from. And, you know, they said, okay, we've got an Italian guy and a German and Irish mother. So let's find an Italian and a German and Irish kid to give them. You know, that was kind of my fundamental understanding. But then when, you know, when I met Joyce, you know, and I received the transcripts from, from her court appearance, um, the, the judge had asked her, you know, are you the mother of this Negro child? You know, and seeing that and, and talking to Joyce, you know, suddenly that, you know, I mean, I grew up, a, I don't want to say privileged, but, it, you know, it was definitely a, a protected environment. Um, you know, we didn't experience racism. And I don't think, you know, my, my earliest memories, you know, in the early 70s, you know, a lot of the civil rights battles had, had settled down at that point, you know, so I didn't experience race riots. Um, and I didn't think that I was ever, you know, involved or, or affected by any type of, you know, racial discord. Um, to, so suddenly find out that, you know what, you know, at least a part of me, my father was, was black and I'm part black, you know, and um, it's, it's, it's upsetting, you know, that, you know, to your, you know, your identity, you know, they said, I've been this Italian kid, this blue collar, you know, Yankees fan, Democrat, you know, Catholic. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, forget all that at 40, 
at 40. You know, you're, you're none of that. You're black. That's a lot to handle. And where do you start? Where, where did you start? Yeah. I mean, it, um, you know, one, you know, I'm a stubborn man. I don't need help on this kind of thing. I can figure this all out on my own. Um, and that was really, you know, I, I wouldn't advise that, but, you know, it wasn't something my wife was necessarily equipped to deal with. My, my birth mother wasn't necessarily equipped to deal with it. Um, so for me, it was really a personal journey, you know, that it was always in the back of my mind, you know, from then on, you know, if I was treating a black patient, if I was hearing a story of racism, if I was seeing um, something on the news, it, it affected me much differently. So it, it gives you a different perspective, a new lens that maybe Absolutely. you didn't need to have earlier. Right. You right. know, so, you know, suddenly these things that I thought had nothing to do with me had a lot to do with me, you know, and, you know, if you go back, you know, back in the day, that's what happened. You know, young girls got pregnant and if young girls got pregnant and, you know, if my father would have been the, you know, white quarterback, you know, my parents would have probably got married. You know, but in 1966, you know, a lot of states interracial marriage was illegal. You know, the, the story of the Lovings, you know, that was in 1967. You know, still it was, you know, it was a very much a taboo, you know, some similar to, you know, what gay marriage would be today or over the past decade. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us, Jack. Thank you, Michael. Acting on my best behavior 